I want to welcome you guys all to church today. We're so glad that you're with us. Um, uh, if you're watching online and you're traveling, eating good food somewhere, you're missing out by not being here. Um, you're missing out because we are starting a brand new series today. Um, and the series is called 50 Days. 50 Days. And the subtitle is Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. 50 Days. And we're going to get to that and explain what that is all about. Tomorrow is actually a Christian holiday. It's the one that nobody ever talks about. It's the one that you probably didn't even know existed. But tomorrow is Pentecost. And it is, yes, it is a Christian holiday. It is also a Jewish holiday, which we're going to kind of get into. But tomorrow is Pentecost. And Pentecost is kind of the forgotten child of Christian holidays. Right? We, there's actually three major days that celebrate um, important events that surround our faith. The first one, the biggest one you probably know is what? All right? Well, so the, the ones that the, the, the world, the Christian world celebrates, there's Christmas, right, where we celebrate the birth. There's the Resurrection Day, also known as Easter. Pentecost is all is right up there, but like no one ever talks about it. So it's like the forgotten child. It's like the, the middle child, unfortunately, for those of you middle children, of Christian holidays. And it's a, a special day that deserves attention. And for me, it kind of in this place in my life, um, and what I've been kind of thinking about and dwelling on, this came at the perfect moment. And I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about why. Now, if some of you guys are like, I've never heard of Pentecost before. I've maybe heard of like a church that kind of sounds like that. Let me get you up to speed. Let me tell you what happened on Pentecost, right? Real quick, from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. This is what happens at the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came through heaven, or came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. What is even is that? I don't know. We're going to try to explore that during the series. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Key phrase for the series. Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then at the end of that kind of session... It says this in verse 41, those who accepted his message, this is Peter, were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. So this is like that moment when Jesus, before Jesus left, he said, I need you guys to wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't talk to anyone. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. And it's going to come at some point. And they're like, okay, what even is that? And they're like, don't worry about it. Just wait. And then on this day, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, fell on them, filled them up with whatever that means, and then 3,000 people believed in the message of the gospel. So this is huge. Actually, like, if not for this moment, we wouldn't be sitting here today, right? This is the moment the Holy Spirit came and, like, this started the church. That, that the initial 3,000 people, that was the beginnings of the church. We would not be here in this moment today if not for the day of Pentecost. I... And Pastor Jonathan, we'd be out of a job if not for Pentecost. For you guys, you possibly go to the school you go to, study the thing you're studying, 
you possibly work in the field that you work in. Your job you have is because of Pentecost. You have the friends you have and the community you have because of Pentecost. So it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal that we never really talk about. It is, like I said, the forgotten child of holidays, Christian holidays. But here's my question. Here's where the tension is. The Pentecost, as you can tell, as you can tell is all about the Holy Spirit. So here's my question. If Pentecost is a forgotten holiday, is the Holy Spirit a forgotten member of the Godhead for you? In other words, we don't really think about Pentecost. We don't really worry about Pentecost. It's not something we think about, talk about. We don't celebrate it. But it's all about the Holy Spirit. So here's my question. Do we as a church, do we as Christians, do we as members of the Seventh Adventist Church and, and, and this worldwide body, have we forgotten about the Holy Spirit? Like, do you know the Holy Spirit? Like, if someone were to ask you, do you know Jesus, you may say yes or no, but you know what they're talking about. You know kind of how to answer that, even if it's negative or positive. But if I were to say, do you know the Holy Spirit, I feel like most of us, we wouldn't even know how to answer that question. What, what is the Holy Spirit? I, I don't really know. What does it mean that I know or don't know the Holy Spirit? I don't, I don't really get it. It's, it's something that we don't really talk about. I think that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Godhead. Right? Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, Father, good. We know that. We understand that. Jesus, the Son, get that. Love him. He's great. Spirit, I don't really know what to do with that. But here's why this is important. And this is who the message series is for. We're talking about one member of the Godhead, right? Like if we were to think about it in a pie chart, one-third of the God, one-third of God, we don't know, we don't understand. Is it possible that then for us, and this is who I'm speaking to in this series, is it possible that when you look at your walk with Jesus, when you look at your, your experience in your life with God, you feel like something is missing? That you've like grown up in church and you heard all the things and you sang all the songs and you went out to all the events. But right now you're like something is missing. Like I know the stories and I know the theology to a degree. But there's like just something that's not right about my walk with God. I might argue that it's possibly because that we don't understand the Holy Spirit. Because after all he is one person of the Godhead like Trinity. And if we don't get that. It could be a good reason why our walk with God, like there's something, something missing. So in this series, we're going to explore, this series is not really about the holiday of Pentecost. Today is a little bit because there's some cool stuff there. But the rest of the series is really going to be about understanding who the Holy Spirit is. How do we engage with him? How do we experience him? And how do we, how do we allow him to fill in the gaps and what's missing in our walk with God? Now, understandably, when you talk about the Holy Spirit and you talk about this kind of stuff, people get a little bit nervous. Because you don't know where you, because some people take this and they kind of run off and go to all these kinds of directions. There are all these kinds of thoughts and practices that are kind of weird and like you feel uncomfortable and I, and I totally get this. So we're not going to go there. 
We're not going to go there. But here's my thing. If that's a worry of ours, if that's something that we're concerned about, I think what's going to help is if we understand biblically what the Holy Spirit is, who he is, how we're supposed to engage with him, what the experience is like, that'll, that'll kind of relieve the fears that we might have because I think that some of us, and maybe I'm part of that, is we're, we're so afraid of those things that we said, all right, Holy Spirit, then you just kind of stay here and I'm not really going to engage with you. Because I don't know where it's going to take us and it kind of freaks me out. But I think that if we approach him in the biblical way, in the right way, we'll engage with him and build a relationship with him that is biblical and true and holy. So um, we're going to talk about kind of like the, the fears and kind of like the things that make us nervous about it. And I think just as long as we begin to learn and know, those things will kind of dissipate and we'll be able to engage with the Holy Spirit in the way he's supposed to be engaged with. So that's what this series is about, 50 days, Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. Again, it's really for you if you feel like there is just something missing in my walk with God. I don't know what it is. I see it in other people, but I don't, I don't have that. I think maybe, maybe it just might be the Holy Spirit that is missing in our relationship with God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I need you today. We need you today. We pray. We've prayed this and sang these songs about, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come here in this place, right? Do we even really know what that means? I don't know, but I want to. So God, show us the way. Speak to us. Show us the truth. And help us to experience you, experience the Holy Spirit in a brand new way. Lord, let me pray. Amen. So the Pentecost is a... Christian holiday, but it actually wasn't a Christian holiday. It, it had actually nothing to do with Christianity because Pentecost was not a Christian thing. It was a Jewish thing. And, and you know, as you read the story, it says at, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples gathered together, right? Be meaning that Pentecost was established before the disciples. It was established before Christianity, right? So you don't say on Christmas Jesus was born. Like the day of Christmas came and Jesus was born. That doesn't make sense because there was no Christmas without Jesus, right? So there was no, Pente there, 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 Pentecost was established before because it was a Jewish thing, not a Christian thing. Now the reason why Pentecost is called Pentecost, you guys may notice that it doesn't sound very Jewish, right? Uh, you, in Judaism you have Shabbat, you have Shalom, you have Yom Kippur, you have Rosh Hashanah, and then you have Pentecost. Doesn't really quite fit. Anybody know what Pentecost means? The word Pentecost? You guys could probably, probably figure it out, right? Like there's a Greek, it's a, it's, it's a Greek word, Pentecost. What do you think it has to do with? It has to do with a number. Five, if you say five, you're wrong. It's 50. 50. Pent, the word Pentecost means 50. So I want you to take that concept Put it in your brain, lock it away, and we're going to get to that later. So what you have to know about Pentecost is it was a Jewish thing. That's the Greek name for a Jewish thing. The actual name was the, the Festival of Shavuot. And it's also called the Festival of Weeks, and we're going to get to that. Now, to really understand and appreciate how awesome this whole thing is, how awesome Pentecost and this whole experience in that upper room was, we need to understand what God was doing with these holidays, with these feasts and with these, with these celebrations. And what we're going to see and what I'm going to try to show you guys today 
is that the Holy Spirit was always part of the plan. Right? He's not an additional member that they threw in at the end. The Holy Spirit coming was always a part of the plan. So um, this first section of the message is going to be a little bit dry. Let me warn you, okay? There's going to be some texts. And it's going to be kind of like heady kind of knowledge. And there's going to be some words you're going to read. And you're going to be like, what does that even mean? That doesn't make sense. And I'm going to do my best to kind of tr keep that clear and help you guys to understand. And then we're going to move on to see where this means for us. So, so just stick with me. We're going to look at Leviticus 23 to look at some of these major feasts and holidays and celebrations for the Jews. Now, it starts with this in Leviticus 23, verses 5 and 6. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight, that's evening, on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. For seven days, you must not eat bread made without yeast. All right. So if we're putting it in today's language, the, the Passover should be celebrated January 14. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread celebrated January 15. Right? It's not January. I'm just trying to make it simple for us. So first month, 14th day, Passover, followed by Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. These are the two big ones, right? These are big, big holidays. These are big, big events. And you guys have probably heard these before, Passover and Eleven Bread. So let me give you guys a quick breakdown. Passover is the big, big, the big memorial of the day where, where God delivered his people from Egypt. Right? They were slaves there for 400 years and they went through the plagues and God finally delivered them through the Passover where the angel went over and they passed over the people. And what they had to do was they had to kill a lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, the, the sides and the top. And if you did that, you would be saved. And it was through the Passover, they were freed from slavery, they were delivered, they were rescued. That was Passover. Then along with Passover, really closely connected was the unleavened bread. And so unleavened bread is bread made without yeast. The reason they celebrate this is because God said, on that day, the deliverance came so fast that you couldn't even wait for your bread to rise. So you're going to eat unleavened bread, basically like kind of crackers, and you're going to eat that on the way. And it was a way to remember how God's salvation and deliverance came so quick. And, and, and it was through that deliverance that they were freed from slavery. Right? So very closely connected, two big holidays, Passover. And unleavened bread. You guys with me? All right, Passover unleavened bread. Then it starts to get complicated. If that wasn't complicated enough, it's going to start getting a little bit more complicated. Then the next festival, the next holiday or celebration is called the, the, the Feast of the First Fruits. And this is what he says. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I am going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it when? On the day after the Sabbath. Okay, what is the day after Sabbath? Sunday. Keep that in mind. Put that in your head. We'll, we'll bring it out later. Okay, so this is the Feast of the First Fruits. So this was agrarian society, right? They have farms. And so they would go all year and they'd be like, you know, digging and Doing these, I don't really know how to grow food, but that's what they did. And they put seeds and like plant and oh yeah, bugs, get the bugs out of there, right? Like they did that all year. And then finally harvest comes. And then the first harvest, they would take a portion of the first harvest because they recognize, God, this is because of you. I'm going to give it to you first, right? Which is a great way to live, a great way to approach our finances, our income. We'll give you the things first. So they would bring the first fruits, get it? First fruits, it's the first fruits of the harvest. And they would take it to God, and that was the feast of the first fruits. And that happened when? On what day? 
Sunday. Okay, but what you have to understand is not just any Sunday. This is really, really key for us. It happens on the first Sunday after Passover. So Passover begins, and sometimes Passover will begin Friday or Tuesday or Wednesday. It kind of depends, right? The following Sunday is when the Feast of the First Fruits would happen. You with me? Okay, so Passover, unleavened bread, that's one thing. And then after that, the following Sunday, the very first Sunday, Feast of First Fruits. Then we get to the next one. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, Feast of First Fruits, count off seven full weeks. Seven full weeks is how many days? 49 days. Uh, keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath. So add one equals 50 days later. Then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. All right, this is where we get the 50 from. This is where Pentecost 50. Because the feast of the Pentecost or the feast of weeks as they call it is 50 days after the feast of first fruits. That's a lot of F words that I just said right now. Not F words, but. Um, okay. So you got Feast of First Fruits, and then 50 days later, you have Feast of Weeks. You guys with me? Good. Okay. So on that, that, that Feast of Weeks, again, they bring, it's kind of the end of harvest, so they, they celebrate by giving God at the beginning and at the end. That's really cool, right? So that's kind of what this is all about. But there is more. There is more. So this is not explicitly stated in Scripture, but it's based on Jewish tradition and based on some kind of like very special technical calculations and interpretive devices on kind of the story of, of, of the Israelites. But according to Jewish tradition, it was on the celebration of the Feast of Weeks that the Israelites received the Torah. So like Mount Sinai... Ten Commandments, like that whole event, like the, the Jewish tradition says that at the Feast of Weeks, on that day, that, 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 that 50th, 50th day after the first fruits, the Israelite nation received the Torah and the law of God, which is huge, which I know for you is like, big deal, I don't care when laws come out, like that doesn't really matter to me, I don't even know. But for them, receiving the law of God was huge. The law was everything to the Israelites. Right? The law told them what to do and how to live. It, it guided them and taught them. It told them what was right, what was wrong. It told them how to clean their house, when to clean their house. It told them everything. It, it, it told them what was right and what was wrong, but it also told them this is how you're right with God and this is how you worship God. Like the entire nation of Israel, the culture and the ethos and the philosophy and everything came down to the law, the Torah. And so it was a huge thing for them to have. And so the, the tradition states that God gave them the law at the Feast of Weeks. All right? So this is like huge, huge stuff. So we got Passover and unleavened bread. The following Sunday, Feast of First Fruits. 50 days later, the Feast of Weeks. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter? The awesome thing about this is each of these festivals all have a parallel and a fulfillment in the New Testament. So these things established a thousand years ago that, that they were celebrating these things. They all point to something in the New Testament, especially closely relating to Jesus and the cross. 
And some of you guys are probably already making the connections how these festivals are connected. So let me, let me show you. This is, this is so cool, okay? So we begin with Passover. That's the easy one, right? Like everyone knows what Passover represents in the New Testament, right? It's on the wall right there. Okay? The Passover, right? The lamb was killed, and in, by, by it being killed through its blood, people were saved, and they were delivered from slavery. And from, from in, the, in, the, in Exodus, it was freedom from slavery from Egypt, but Jesus comes, he dies, his blood saves us and frees us from slavery to sin. Easy. All right, we got that. Perfect. Closely related to that, unleavened bread. Okay, now you got to start using your brains. Where's the unleavened bread? Where's the connection of unleavened bread? Well, before Jesus went to the cross, he ate the last meal, the last supper, which was a Passover meal. And guess what he ate at the Passover meal? Unleavened bread. And he took this unleavened bread and he looked at his disciples and what did he say? This is my body that is broken for you. So the unleavened bread is the moment where Jesus says, I am that bread. So that's the fulfillment of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, now, here is where it gets real interesting. Okay, so the next holiday is the Feast of First Fruits, which happened when? The first Sunday after Passover. Now, what's interesting about this, oh, sorry, let me just put this for reference, all right? Passover, cross, Unleavened Bread, Last Supper. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul writes this really interesting verse. He says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He uses this word very, very intentionally. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So what Paul does here is he connects first fruits and resurrection. These are now two separate concepts that he has joined into one. First fruits and resurrection. First fruits and resurrection. So... The first Sunday after Passover, what happened that day? What happened that day? The resurrection. Jesus dies on the cross, and the first Sunday after Passover, he is brought to life, and he is resurrected into new life, and the power is there, and it's that moment. And so the Feast of First Fruits, where we celebrate God's provision, where he's connected now, first fruits and resurrection. That very first Sunday, Jesus rises from the dead as the first fruits of all creation. He's the first one to resurrect among all the people who would follow later at his second coming, they'd be resurrected. But Jesus was the first fruits. So, Passover is the cross, unleavened bread is the Last Supper, feast of first fruits is resurrection. And then 50 days later, what happens? The Pentecost. I'm calling it the new Pentecost because the old Pentecost was the old Pentecost. And this is still called Pentecost, but it's different now. So the Feast of Weeks, they celebrate God's provision, but specifically based on Jewish tradition, it is the day they received the law of God. The thing that guided them and taught them and showed them what was right and wrong. And then 50 days later, after the resurrection, after the cross, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit on that same day, Holy Spirit comes down and fills them up. And the Holy Spirit does what? It teaches and guides us. It shows us what is right and what is wrong. It is supposed to fill our culture and our ethos. It is what guides us and informs us and educates us. That's, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. 
For the Israelite nation, the law of God was a source of comfort. As long as they had the law, they had God and they could handle everything. God, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. And on that day where they celebrate receiving the law of God, God comes and sends the Holy Spirit on that day, on the Feast of Weeks. That's crazy. So I want you guys to understand that this is so key, that the Holy Spirit, it was throughout the entire scripture and it was always part of the plan. My question for us today is, then why don't we care about him? Why do we not understand him? Why do we not spend time trying to understand him? Why do we not time, spend time to engage and seek the Holy Spirit? I don't know. And it's weird, actually, because it's a thing. It's a thing all throughout scripture. But how come it's not a thing for so many of us? And and really, ultimately, the question I want to ask is, how do we make it a thing now? How can we engage and partner with and experience the Holy Spirit? What this, this whole thing, this whole thing about the festivals that I wanted to show was not to show you like, oh, look how much stuff I know of the Bible. That's not the point. The point is this. All scripture points to the reality that the Holy Spirit is to, meant to be a central part of our experience with God. It is. He's supposed to be there. Like we should be like in the spirit, filled with the spirit constantly. But we're like, what does that even mean? I don't, I don't know. And to make it real, real simple here, what this is all about. This is a very, a very introductory message that I'm hoping is just going to make you think like, you know what? I should pay attention to this series. This seems like it could be really helpful. I might really need this. What it all comes down to is this. We cannot ignore the Holy Spirit anymore. You can't. Because it was meant to be a central part of your experience with God. Based on scripture, all throughout, look how God set things up. He's like, I give you the law and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit too. This is supposed to be how it is. But for so many of us, it's just, it's just not. We don't know what this looks like and we don't know what it means and it makes us a little uncomfortable and understandably so. But for me, as I look at the stories and the experience of the disciples in the book of Acts, and I look how they are and, and what they do and what they see and what they experience, and then I look at my life, the only conclusion I can make is something is missing here. Like they had something I don't have it because I'm not seeing and doing and experiencing the things. And some of you have probably read those stories and read the stories of the Gospels and you're like, why doesn't this stuff happen now? If this stuff that happened then happened now, I would believe way more. Right? Like if I saw those things like they did and, and if those things were happening now, I, I would be different. If that's you, this series is really for you because you understand like me, as you look at the stories, the accounts, and then you look at your life, you're like, dude, something is not right here. I don't have that story. And part of me feels like, and maybe it may not be in the exact same way, but part of me feels like God wants you to have that story. And so if you feel like you're missing anything in your walk with God, if you've been to all the things and you know all the things, but you feel like something is incomplete, that's what this series is about. And I don't know if that's the answer. Maybe it's something else, but I feel like the Holy Spirit just might be the thing that a lot of us 
have been missing. The Holy Spirit might be the thing that brings it all together, that gels it all together, that bonds it all together, that through the Holy Spirit, connections are made from here to here that we never understood. And those are the things that change us and transform us. If that's the case, if that's you, if you're like, yeah, that's kind of me, I simply want to ask that you really engage during the next few weeks of this series. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you come to church, think, I'm here to understand the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm here. I know I got other things going on, but the reason I'm here, the reason I'm sitting here in this room, the reason I'm listening to this guy is because I want to know and understand and experience the Holy Spirit. Like, just put that in your mind. That's why you're here. And then when you're sitting here, Take notes, engage, write questions that you have and, and, and write thoughts that you have and, and do it on your phone. But before you put it on your phone, put your phone on do not disturb so you don't get alerts and get distracted by some other thing, right? Just engage and just focus in on the next few weeks. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you so much, God, for challenging us. And sometimes, God, I wish you just give me, like, really easy stuff to talk about that I already know about. But, God, I know that this could be a really special moment for a lot of people in this room and for our church. Like, if we began to seek and engage and partner with the Holy Spirit, I cannot even imagine how things would change. And so, Lord, if there's anyone who was compelled felt like, yeah, that's me. Lord, I pray that you grab a hold of them right now and let that conviction, let that sense stick with them, Father, each and every week that we come. And Lord, I give this whole series to you. Thank you, God, for showing us. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Sorry that we didn't really know what to do with him. But that's about to change by your grace. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.